Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I'm one of the many Matts. <laughs> and this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and in the future. Um, yeah, so this is a kind of a fun situation. Um, I received a DM on Twitter from someone who I have spoken with previously or not. I, I, I would check. Um, maybe I'll do that after the show and check who sent me this message. But they tipped me off uh, onto Mitchell's project, uh, which is called... Well, could you tell us the full name? The project is called... It's a bit of a mouthful. The uh, Digital Zones of Immaterial Pictorial Sensibility. Mm. Oh, my God. Wait, say that again. <laughs> Digital, Digital zones, zones of immaterial pictorial sensibility. Immaterial pictorial sensibility. Okay, yes. I'm here and for this. And what's cool is, well, all of that sounds like babble, but it'll make perfect sense once you know exactly what this is. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and just, so this so, person, just so we're clear, Mitchell, I know nothing. I, right. Matt, Matt, Matt teased everything I didn't even to tell me. him the name. Nothing. I know nothing, so I'm very excited to learn, yeah. That's great. Yeah. This will be fun. And so this person sent me a DM on Twitter and was like, yo, I feel like you'd be interested in this. And they sent, told me some information, and I started reading all the – I read the paper. I read the – I looked at the GitHub. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like, the coolest thing I've seen in months. And what's cooler is that this is, like, on the bleeding edge of at least where I'm thinking and, like, okay, cool, you have digital objects. Let's ex- let's play with that. Let's, like, mm-hmm. really play with the medium. But, Mitchell, you launched this in 2017 before CryptoKitties. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to give uh, us and also Jonathan specifically <laughs> um, an idea of what we're talking about? Sure. So in essence, this was a project. I was working on this in 2017, uh, and it finally was released in an art gallery here in Toronto um, on August 30th, 2017. Wow. And what this was, was this was me as an artist. Um, I have worked as a professional artist for for 15 years doing gallery shows and and public art projects. Um, Looking at cryptocurrency and ethereum in particular as an art material Mm -hmm. and trying to understand although the term nft did not exist yet in the lexicon (laughs) um but imagining it seemed very clear to me that this would be a way of transacting art um and that it could be a way of even creating art it could be an art material in some ways and so this artwork was really thinking about what that would mean. What would an artwork on blockchain be? What would you be buying and selling if you bought mm-hmm. and sold it? You know, if such a crazy thing ever were <laughs> right. to come to pass, you know, if, if the world ever went absolutely topsy-turvy Looney Tunes and started buying and selling art on blockchain, yeah. Yeah. what would that mean conceptually, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the project, um, the reason why this um project has such a long title is because to think about this I did as I often do as an artist um, I go back to art history and Mm -hmm. I try to see if there are precedents for similar ideas Mm -hmm. and what I discovered was that um, the idea of buying and selling something in an immaterial way um, and giving someone just 
a very valuable receipt or token for the artwork yeah. was actually not an entirely new idea. I mean, sure, mm. it had never been executed with this technology, right? Right. But right. there were really important and kind of famous, but probably not famous enough precedents mm -hmm. in the history of conceptual art where this happened. And so this project was about saying, okay, guys, it's 2017. I know some of you here at my exhibition are probably just hearing about what Ethereum is for the first time. Some of you are probably maybe even just hearing what Bitcoin is for the first time or, or understanding it for the first time. But this all makes sense if you think about it from the perspective of conceptual art. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Can, can you give us some of those, before we get into fully into what your project was, can you give us some of those precedents that you found? Sure. So here's the big precedent, and it's the precedent that I, I draw from. It was, it's over 60 years old, okay? In 1958, um, a very, even at that time, a very famous artist, Yves Klein, opened this exhibition at a gallery in Paris, and it was called the Zones of Immaterial Pictorial Sensibility. Or at least it would come to become known that. Uh, at the time, it was just called The Void. And uh, e <laughs> Eve Klein was famous for, even if you're not familiar with the name, you would know his literally patented shade of blue. Um, mm -hmm. He developed a process for making a very special blue paint and patented it. It's still called International Klein Blue. And so his work was about minimalism to the extreme. He'd make these paintings that were just blue. And it was, it is the most intoxicating, almost spiritual, flat mm. blue uh, you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And he is, I mean, not, he's trying to make something that is both more and less than a painting, right? That mm -hmm. is just mm -hmm. going to create a pure sensation. You'll forget that it's even a painting. And so to take this to its logical conclusion, he opens this exhibition in 1958 and people are lined up on the street to enter the gallery because he's very, very famous for these blue paintings. When they walk in, the gallery is completely empty. It's completely empty. Okay. And he claims that, that what is on exhibit here is that he has imbued, um, this space with the sensibility of the color blue right mm. almost like if, if you've ever been to church and like you know the priest or the altar boy or whatever rings that bell and they say okay there's something here now that wasn't here before right yeah it's almost this, this religious and spiritual thing now this uh right like to describe it now it sounds like a kind of corny like first year bfa project but <laughs> But at the time, it's, it's really revolutionary because nobody has thought about abstracting art to this level, that artwork mm. can be just an idea if you believe it enough, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's worth mentioning that his entire career, like all of his legitimacy comes to bear to have to make this spiritual thing happen. This is an artist who's become very famous for exploring these concepts. He's not just kind of goofing around with this for like to, to, to mail in a low effort, uh, a school project. Okay. So that matters. So what do mm -hmm, we have mm -hmm. here? Like for me, this is kind of an expression of what cryptocurrency is all about. Like, mm -hmm. it is an expression of value that people can believe in because there's legitimacy and history recorded behind it. 
And so that seems pretty, pretty clear to me and that an artwork can be, you know, uh, uh, meaningful if you have a sort of critical mass of, of, of belief um, and goodwill in the same way that a Bitcoin can be valuable for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Right. But this goes even crazier. So this, they're called invisible artworks by the press, are for sale <laughs> and people did buy them. And because, I mean, Klein is a next level thinker here because he doesn't want to just put out the invisible artwork as a sort of like low effort thing. He's really engaging with the idea of what immateriality is, of what value is, Mm. and how there are different types of value and different types of ownership. There's physical ownership and spiritual ownership. There's artistic value and there's monetary value. So playing with this, he accepts as payment for these invisible artworks um, only pure gold. <laughs> I know, okay. right? Um, yeah, that's so good. And so he um, and people did buy them for an amount of pure gold. And but then wow. there's one more level. What they get for their gold is they get this receipt. It's a beautiful receipt that he's had custom printed. Come out of these receipt books. They are literally non fungible tokens that say exactly which edition of invisible artwork you have. And then he says that if you, there's a difference between legally owning something and owning something to to the degree that it becomes a part of you. He says, if you want to really own this thing, you participate in a ritual with me. At the River Sen, you bring your token This is the only physical artifact you have that says you handed over 20 grams of pure gold for this thing. (laughs) It's the only thing that now, if you still had one of these, you could you could sell it or or, or auction it off and make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. But if you want to really own the thing, you had to burn it. And, oh my God! Yeah, right. And then he would (laughs) say that okay, the sensibility, the spiritual thing, it's conferred to you, and he would throw half of his gold into the river. <gasps> yes! Oh my god, that's so amazing! Right? <laughs> how, wait, now how have we not heard of this before? Right? Like, like this is, this is like, this is like, yeah, this is Old incredible. Is new, this is standing on the shoulders of conceptual giants. Like, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh my, I, I mean, uh, keep going, but I also want to hear about, like, how much research did you have to do before you came along hmm before you came across this like like anyway yeah, that, what that, is the search term going. for this yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i was i was i mean aware of of yeah. eve klein he's yeah. you know, one of the big important the big, artists yeah. of the yeah. 20th century this yeah. is this work i think is not as well known as it should be Mm-hmm. Um, he's mm-hmm. best known Especially for the blue now. monochromes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the, the, the blue monochromes are easy to understand. They make sure. a great image in your art history textbook because it's just an image of this most irresistible blue. Right. But this work, we, we're, like we're just seeing right now, mm-hmm. it yeah. addresses so many of the questions about what an artwork is, what it means yes. to transact an artwork. Yeah. It says so much about the separation of the expressive form of the artwork from the commodity form of the artwork. Yes, exactly. It acknowledges, Which, yeah. it acknowledges this important thing, and this is an important thing, it's been a thing for a while, but it's a super important thing right now, that owning an artwork changes your perception of it, 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in so many ways, this is the Eve Klein artwork that mm. predicts like what art is going to be about in the 21st century. Right. And what's really gratifying is that now like people are figuring this out and I kind of think, you know, not I, I won't take like responsibility for this, but like the, the Economist just ran a story at the end of April. The headline in The Economist did this French artist create the first NFT in a big picture mm-hmm. of Eve Klein? Mm-hmm. Like the world mm-hmm. is figuring out this is the story. I, I mean, I love it so much because they're both like very literal parallels to what's happening in uh, the sort of world today, especially with crypto and blockchain, but also very like, you know, high or more abstract parallels around like notions of value and like what those are represented by. And like you said, the sort of separation between the two. Yeah, so it was like it was so relevant. It's especially relevant now. I uh, like this project, both both clients, and I'd I'd like to think mine. But mm-hmm. even in 2017, it was based largely on imagining what this could be, and, <laughs> right. and even still, <laughs> and, and and even still thinking about immaterial assets, right? So you know, you asked how much research I had to do, and it was really important to me that this project, you know, that I don't just drop it. I, you know, wanted to produce scholarship around it because I really believed mm-hmm. in this idea. So I wrote this up with a 33-page essay, and it's you know heavily footnoted, um, yeah. with a lot of sources that would explain this. And now I'm really, I'm really glad that I did this because there's like an element of like. You know, I kind of called my shot, and right, like, it's, right, it's right. documented. Yeah, yeah. 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 you Babe You Babe Ruth that you're like, there right. it is, buddy. There it is. <laughs> uh, and um, but uh, the references that I had to make there were to other immaterial assets at the time. So I was talking about in-app purchases. I was talking about horse mm-hmm. armor, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. of course, if you, you know, if you right. if you buy a skin for your character in like Elder Scrolls Online or something. Is that mm-hmm. real? How real is it? What's the level or degree of realness? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to point out that actually, you know, the physical thing, like uh, realness is not contingent on the physical presence of a thing. Like realness mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. a perception um, mm-hmm. and you can manufacture that realness. Ideally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you do it with real belief and mm-hmm. in good faith and you don't do it mm-hmm. with hype uh, yeah. or, or the market, but you can, well. <laughs> uh, you can do it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. the crazy thing about this was at the time, I don't like, um, you know, I want to make a blockchain artwork. Uh, I don't know what an NFT is. I don't think anybody knows what an NFT is. I, I want to make a blockchain artwork. And so, but I want to make the blockchain artwork that explains on a conceptual level, like what art on blockchain is all about to me. Mm-hmm. So the best way to do it is to sort of just translate this story, this artwork from 1958, into into blockchain. And then you have the artwork that explains both what the conceptual art project was about and mm. what my perspective on blockchain is about. So the crazy thing is I did, you know, research into all of the terms uh, and conditions that Klein established for the sale of these invisible artworks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. He had notes on it, exactly how they were supposed to be transacted. Like the pieces, there were supposed to be 101 of these as additions. They were priced on a bonding curve. Like, oh um, my lovely. God. Yeah. Like the second series of them went for 40 grams of gold and the third series went for right. 80 grams right. of gold. He never got that far. Unfortunately, he, he tragically died four years after launching this project. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah. But, um, but, and so, look, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a decent coder, but I'm not a great coder. 
all I did was I translated those terms and conditions into solidity as best hmm. I could, hmm. right? Saying, okay, there's going to be this many additions. I need to keep track of each one individually because um, they have to be able to be burned for half of their initial sale price, and everybody needs to know which distinct artwork they own. Yeah. They need to be released on this bonding curve, and they need to be released in series, each of this number of tokens. And really, like, just by translating the terms and conditions into solidity i ended up with a non-fungible token like um, just, almost yeah. by accident right and and like that that is proof of concept to me that like yes eve klein's project in 1958 it was definitely a non-fungible token yeah artwork. yeah for sure yeah. And I love how natural the burning of the token is for the blockchain world. It's like literally the the metaphor we use is also burning and the you know, transferring the money. How, yeah. How is that possible that the literal thing that they did became the actual metaphor? Like, yeah. This is something we've talked a lot about: is metaphors and like what metaphors work and what metaphors are appropriate. And, mm. um. I just, I, I don't know how burning was so perfect. It's just amazing. Yeah, quite good. It was so, yeah, it was it was so perfect. But also, I mean, I think even of this idea, typically now when we see burning tokens, it's done, I mean, either to, you know, reduce supply and yep. do that sort of like trick of the market. But mm -hmm. we've also seen incidents where it's kind of a flex. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And there is, I, I, and it's almost like the owner does see something like immaterial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gained, like to Absolutely. their persona by doing that. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. a different yeah. thing, but I think that the differences between um, what it was supposed to represent in 1958 and and what it's representing now yeah. I, probably yeah. tells us something about our culture and our collector culture. It's 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 worth remembering and reminding listeners just how how quickly things have changed and how in 2017 even when you were working on this like that sense of sense that you were talking about of like this is a really crazy idea and like no one's for this far future where this is going to be happening mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. going to be exploring this that really is how how it felt back then and it's 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 hard to convey that to people who weren't there now because it's almost so obvious but it really mm -hmm. did feel that way it felt like okay this is this is clearly the future but I know it's a little crazy uh so 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 take us through your project and like Mm -hmm. how it went off like like what what happened with it so i um i presented the i presented the artwork yeah. um yeah. at interaccess in toronto and that's okay. it's a great media art center that's been around for 35 years presenting technologically innovative art and i did a lecture where i sort of read the paper and then it was an exhibition it was very important to me i said you have to call this an exhibition because mm -hmm. my token represents like in, in just like klein a sort of immaterial idea of an artwork and that idea will be present in the room so this is an exhibition so i i i, I uh, minted the first token there and then it was that sensibility i said was you know there in the space mm -hmm. and um a few friends bought it Okay. Um, I got to lecture it again once at Kent State University. Nice. And then, like, nothing. Yeah. Nobody really cared for yeah. a yeah. long time. Yeah. And um, 
then I'll tell you what happened was obviously, you know, whatever has happened in the last six months with this NFT boom has happened. Yeah. Has and the, the tokens that were left in series zero, um, how, how great is this? Klein even zero indexed his series oh, and token God. numbers. Like it was crazy, That's right? Too <laughs> crazy. And, um, and so, I was, you know, just chatting around with some some people. Even with this, you know, NFT boom, I see, you know, it's kind of it's beeples and stuff like that that, yeah. that, that are selling. I'm not sure that yeah. people would be interested in this weird conceptual art thing. And yet the first person who kind of rediscovered it this year was like a, a pretty major CryptoPunks collector. Oh, wow. And he um, spent, you know, a lot of time kind of educating me on, you know, what that community looked like uh -huh. and he was also like really like interested in hearing more about about this project like he uh -huh. went just immediately like bought the token and then like read that whole 33 page essay and i'm uh -huh. like dude no i don't i don't know that anybody else read all 33 pages of my essay like not even the art world people uh -huh. And it was like this incredibly uplifting moment where I realized like That's that amazing. Um, yeah. There was interest in this story, you know? People yeah. want to yeah. see people are invested in this technology and in this ecosystem and they're really excited to hear different interpretations of it. Um and that was really exciting for me. So I um I kind of rewrote the essay into some more like a, a more plain language version and uh -huh. I made a video essay. Oh great. And I thought okay. a lot about where to post that and I didn't want to submit it to like an art journal or even put it on like hyperallergic an art website. I I submitted it to Super Rare and I put it on Super Rare editorial because Oh nice. That, yeah. Yeah, like that was the community that I wanted to to talk to, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and uh and then all of a sudden there was kind of a a little bit of interest. So the project was in um like it's pre ERC seven twenty one, obviously. So yeah. even though it's non fungible, it's kind of like CryptoPunks. It's not going to show up on OpenSea or anything um, right. on its own. So I coded a wrapper, and eventually some other people, like also in the punks community, found and they bought up what was left of Series Zero, and it only cost like did. zero point one ETH, right? Of course they did. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was like a two thousand seventeen token, but beyond that, like I kind of figured that would be interesting for people. There's a two thousand seventeen yeah. token. But I could not have expected that people would be that interested in the story, which I'm yes. delighted about. Oh, the and story so is everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. And, yeah. Yeah. The it's story awesome. is amazing. Yeah. So I made a wrapper for it and then I waited to release series one. I can only release the series like the, the, the contract gets paused after one series or tranche of tokens is released. And then it, I need to unpause it to release another 10. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the yeah. bonding curve yeah. again. So I waited until this was so perfect. Um, it just so happened that, you know, I got the wrapper contract done. And the wrapper contract is actually kind of a cool NFT unto itself that I was mm. very proud of. But um, and then I waited to deploy it and release series one until it was exactly 1,337 days <laughs> nice. since I had deployed the first contract. Well done. Well done. Yeah. And that just so happened to be Eve Klein's birthday. What? Come yeah. on. Oh my god. Come uh. on. 
doesn't get any better Beautiful. than that. That is amazing. Wow. Talk about bridging from one thing to the other, like Holy through time cow. and through media. Oh, God. Good. I, I, I swear it's like it's completely insane. And yeah. since then, like, it's been awesome. Like, I just like like I, I saw my name in print and art form for the first time yeah. in my career. And, you know, yeah. that's a major career milestone for somebody who's yeah. been an artist for 15 years. Right. And then it like, you know, the project was written up in Art in America. And so like all the kind of like, like uh, there were a number of, of like art world press um, uh, outlets that picked up on it as sort of a tool for understanding NFTs uh, from uh -huh, an art uh -huh. history perspective. Of course, yes, perfect. Yeah. And, and, and it's really weird because it like, and now the um, NFT community is kind of, um, is, is is also kind of like rallying around it and are really interested and I'm 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 very humbled by that and so the like series like one through four all sold out like fairly quickly um, which is which is nice um, but it's nice mostly because I hope that the story kind of contributes to the level of discourse in the space um, mm -hmm. which I think is healthy for making sure that this is like a it, which I, I, I hope is healthy for the long-term like future of this technology and art on blockchain. Yeah. Well, I think it definitely is. I mean, I think stories like this one that surface these old stories and bring them, and it literally, literally you are the bridge, um, helps, uh, it, it helps enormously. Don't you think, Matt? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially from the education perspective, like from the art history angle, like of course people, certain people are going to resonate with that. And I think that's definitely, because whenever I speak to um, people who come from the art world, I use a completely different tack for trying to explain digital ownership. And this is like the perfect silver bullet. Oh, it's bullet. so much, like, it's oh, yeah. like the one, yeah. Yeah, really great. So when I talk to people from the art world and I, you know, and I find that obviously there has been um, the NFT situation has been divisive and mm. there's been a fair amount oh, yeah. of, of criticism and critique. Yeah. And first of all, I think that that's fair and that's fine. And critique yeah. contributes to a healthy ecosystem and Death. it contributes yeah. to growing forward and making better art. But my attitude is always that I hear the critiques and I'll kind of agree with everything that's being said, but mm -hmm. then follow up with, but that's all fine. For instance, um, you know, a common, a common refrain is, well, with an, an, an NFT is, is not, uh, you know, it's just a receipt, right? It's right. just a receipt. Right, right. And my answer is, is always, Yes, and that's so interesting. Yeah. Isn't that the best exactly. part? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. in, 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 like, this isn't the only artwork. Uh, Eve Klein's isn't the only artwork in history that has mm -hmm. been about uh -huh. the receipt. And those uh -huh. works are some of my favorite artworks. I always uh -huh. point to also Saul LeWitt, the Fluxus mm -hmm. artist who would who would just create instructions for making yep. wall drawings right that's matt's that's matt's go-to yeah. that's your that's matt's general yeah. go-to when well when friendship ended with, with soul of wit uh yeah. new friendship has begun with eve's klein but yeah that's great uh, but yeah Wit's like fantastic that is you yeah. just you buy the instructions that's the receipt right. and that's what's interesting yeah. is that the artist separates the information associated with the artwork mm -hmm. from the executed physical manifestation of the artwork itself that's totally. interesting that's interesting and yeah. sure i sure it's something that happened 50 years ago but there's 
there's still meat on that bone. Like there's still yeah. a lot to think yeah. about there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. uh, you, you know, your, your description, like, like a minute ago of separating the commodity of the art from the art itself is is literally something we've talked about on this podcast mm. as being you know one of the amazing new innovations that that hasn't quote unquote hasn't existed before right, nfts right. and 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 speaking to you now we we see that it has and yeah. that just let it lends it this kind of like extra extra legitimacy that 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 really is helpful and amazing totally yeah the blockchain just makes that difference so so explicit in ways explicit, that i think yeah. were not clear to like me at least before it's like oh the concept of a thing and like the the centralization of this consensus of like what this thing means and represents can be divorced from its physicality it doesn't have to be a physical thing or really anything at all exactly and the repercussions of that Wow. I mean, we're just starting to figure out, I mean, the financial repercussions of that. I mean, oh, yeah. and but also the conceptual repercussions, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, the financial repercussions are, are something that I've thought about for a long time. Like, what will it mean if a, a museum? So this year there was a big hubbub yeah. because museums yeah. were thinking about selling off some of their collections, which is a mm -hmm. sort of unwritten rule, big no-no in the museum world. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what would happen if all of those artworks that are sitting in museums' basements um, were linked to smart contracts with separate fields for ownership and custodianship, mm -hmm. right? Right, um, right. It would, and, and look, I'm, I, I don't come at this from a maximalist point of view either way. It's a potentially insane thing to happen that a Rembrandt's physical form can be sitting in the basement, right. um, you know, of, of, of a museum right. while its financial value <laughs> is floating around the world, right, yeah. in a tokenized yeah. form. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, I don't it's kind know of what wild, that means. It could, it could be a bad thing. It could be a bad thing. It could, it could be, be a good yeah. thing. I don't know, but we're just starting to figure it out. I'm so curious about there's there's one aspect of the Eve Klein experience that I'm really curious about, and that is the the ceremony around the burning. Mm. Um, do, I noticed you, that one yeah. person has burnt a digital zone. Yes, oh, interesting. One what was person that like? has. Um, you know, so what's interesting about this, and this also, I think, says something interesting about the anonymity and separation that occurs over these digital technologies yeah i have no yeah. idea who it is somebody bore, somebody uh -huh. burned uh -huh. a yeah. digital zone token edition number two yes yeah and i have no idea and edition i, I hope two. that they had a great experience right <laughs> well i love that that um, experience can be done without you whereas like it could be seen as um uh, an unfortunate requirement that that eves klein had to be next to the river thames to actually do this ritual well, he said in his documents that it would be okay to do it without him. Oh. But the three documented instances where this actually happened were mm -hmm. all done with, with him there. Got it. Um, and it's sort of unclear whether it can be done now with him dead. Right, <laughs> right. right. That's interesting. Uh, right? Yeah. Has anyone attempted or even like proposed it? I don't think so. I think that these books no, that are probably art far too itself. valuable now. Right, right. Although it would be, I mean, it would be so cool. That would be such a real world art oh flex, my goodness. you know? And yeah. I would certainly respect that person as a legitimate owner of, of a part of, um, 
Eve Klein's legacy right. uh, if they did that. When, um, but yeah, when, whoever burned... When ahead. the person burned the token, the, the one person that has burned the token so far, did, did that automatically take out half of the ETH that they had paid for it? Was that built into the... Absolutely. Con- yeah, amazing. Absolutely. And, that just, and then so that ETH also got burned. Yep, yep. It Crazy. got uh, It's thrown to an irretrievable address. Right, right. Very cool. Oh, man. That's very cool. I I love the I love the um, the sort of spiritualness of it. Yeah. Like you're saying, like there's the something ritual. very, the ritual is like so rich and like has real potential. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, and and I do really believe like he he came by it honestly. I think his yeah. work was, you know, it can sound a little bit flaky to say that an artist's work is very spiritual. Yeah, but in yeah, this yeah. case, I mean, I mean, th- th- this guy, he was always a. a about this stuff in, yes. in all aspects yeah. of his life. He was also, and it was very early for, uh, you know, uh, a short Frenchman to be doing this. He was <laughs> yeah. like, but he was like a high level black belt judo wow. <laughs> practitioner. Wow. Yeah. And I believe cool. like to the point, I believe he may have coached the Spanish national team. <gasps> um, like cool. this was all like a major part of, of his life. That's incredible. Wow. Those are some goals. So, so Matt, what do you, did you have a question? No, no, I think, um, I mean, I just, I'm just really loving the whole burning mechanic because it's, it's like one cannot understand the sensibility that will be transferred until it is done. It's an uncrossable line, but it's also like a hilariously, not hilariously, but it's a surprisingly difficult line to cross, right? To burn this thing where the, the proof that I ever owned it is tangible in this digital ownership sense. It's sitting mm-hmm. in my wallet. It's proof that I have owned this thing. But to truly own it, to truly experience the full process, one must destroy it. And I love that because it really, really enforces the intangibility of the experience. And uh-huh. the holding on mm-hmm. to the token is a sort of like, it's like, cool, you're, you're participating, but not all the way. Like it's, yeah. you're into this, but you're not so into this. And so <laughs> it's like also, kind of a taunt, yeah. you know? Oh, it's totally a taunt. And there's, a, there's a financial layer too, right? Because, right, of course. Because, yeah. because it's, it's saying, it's saying like, which, which do you really appreciate? Do you appreciate right. the art or do you appreciate the chance to sell right. this down the line for more money? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And re- acknowledging the degrees to which ownership and financial investment is intertwined yeah. with perception of the artwork is it, it's very important and because it still is sort of a taboo in art and you'll often see that today contemporary artists the only time that they really want to engage with the fact that their artwork exists as commodity um, they tend to do it in a sort of like tongue-in-cheek or like yeah. kind of almost vulgar way, you know, making mm-hmm. a diamond skull and putting it on auction for like a hundred million dollars. They seem incapable of of taking um, like, I don't want to say humble approach, but like a very realistic approach where there's mm. no like. There's no upside you, for them. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. There's no financial and, upside for them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something that that has to be reckoned with, the fact that we, you know, when you produce an artwork, you are producing a commodity. And Klein had some other interesting experiments about this as well. He had one exhibition 
where uh, the exhibition was a series of uh, more or less identical blue monochromes, but each mm. with different prices attached to them. <laughs> and you could come in and just buy whichever one you liked. Uh, whatever yeah. you thought. If you yeah. thought the $7,000 one was for some reason better than owning the $3,000 one, oh, see, then yeah. get that. And Incredible. so the only difference would be how that dollar value affected your perception Goodness. of the artwork. And Goodness. so it's it's very rare because I, I, I do believe that he was a profoundly spiritual person. And I do believe that he was trying to engage with how ownership and money mm-hmm. not even necessarily mm-hmm. taints that, but maybe taints it and maybe right, just inflects right. it or maybe even is just a part of it's like an inseparable part. part of that spiritual right. perception. Yeah, uh, right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he is by without a shadow of a doubt. He is the the great if 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 Joe Looney is the grandfather of, right, right, right. of, of <laughs> NFTs, he is he is easily the great grandfather, like the, the great yeah. grandfather of, yeah. of NFTs. Like God, I he love just, that experiment. Are there? Uh, this is a funny question. Are there biographies about him? I guess there must be, right? Oh right. yes, um, I, like I think there's many. I mean, I'm staring at one. On my bookshelf right now, <laughs> yeah. and um, and of course I, I cited a lot of books in, in sure, my sure. essay, um, amazing, yeah, all of which are, are pretty think, good. Because yes, I think that's going onto my list of things to yeah. read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he was just such a big big character. But I do think his legacy is still being unraveled now. Like I think that this is the underappreciated yeah. part of his legacy um, yeah. that could be. I mean. Frankly, we're probably like one major auction result away from like this becoming yeah. like the dominant Eve Klein narrative instead yeah. of the instead of the blue monochromes. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right, for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what what Absolutely what's incredible. the future of of your project? Are you yeah. is there? Did he have a a limit to the number of since you based yeah. yours off of his? Was there a limit to the number of series? What's the what are you doing with that? Yeah, I'm following his release um, conditions exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So there are a maximum of 101 tokens that okay. are, were ever ever sold, uh-huh. and so that um, or that ever could be sold. Right. And so you know, I, I've done the same thing, and I think we sold. I've sold now 70, right? Mm, okay. And at the and so the um, uh, the minting is paused at the end of each series. Right. So up to right. series, so we're series five. And so I think, I, I don't know when this will be released, but I'll probably, um, I'll probably release series five, um, which will be tokens 71 through 80 uh-huh. sometime uh-huh. next week. Um, Incredible. And those are on the same, on the same bonding curves. So those will be uh-huh. like 3.2 ether. Wow. And um, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh happens so far it's been really good they've they've sold out fast which is great um in a lot of ways but it's honestly most great because it means that people are invested in this story and and expanding their sort of conceptual narrative around nft this is um when you first released this at the gallery in toronto this was you said august of 2017 so so just to put that in context um um uh, uh cryptopunks had launched uh in July i believe of 2017 so you were only a month after cryptopunks mm-hmm. yeah i, I was um, working on this when cryptopunks came out 
And, and and did you see CryptoPunks come out? Were you aware of it when it happened? Oh yeah, I absolutely okay. saw uh, CryptoPunks came out, and uh, I definitely took a look at it. Their their contract is was like a lot smarter than mine, like because oh. they have all these marketplace <laughs> functions and stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And um and so I couldn't uh and and so I I didn't I didn't uh, end up pulling anything from it i mean it's probably for the best that i didn't because now my my code is just a very direct translation of right of the art right. history source material but mm -hmm. no I, I definitely uh saw when it came out you yeah. saw it go by um that, that's amazing that's just yeah. that's just incredible absolutely incredible and yeah it strikes me again that this is in the same way that eve's Klein is like this logical um extreme of ownership and representation the digital zones is also this logical extreme of that concept applied to this medium and it's so fun how that like was clear to you in 2017 and is now only clear to me for example right now where i'm like oh yeah this is the logical extreme <laughs> the token is invisible it doesn't represent anything in particular it represents an idea a sensibility and then it plays with all of these mechanics that are just so good with the burning and uh -huh. the receipts it's really excellent yeah, and what you've just said could be rephrased in a way to make it sound like so many of the criticisms of this technology, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. True, 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 true. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, and to it's, me, it's, it's literally like you beautiful. said. It's like it's like it's like. Do you yeah. say that and then you go and that makes it bullshit, or do you say that and and, and then right. you go and isn't that amazing? And yeah. that's why yeah. it's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and and that's why it was so important to me to make the essay. Uh -huh. um, and for, for a long time, I thought that basically the essay would be the legacy of the artwork because nobody would ever buy these tokens, right? <laughs> but at least I had an essay out there um, that was like time stamped on GitHub that, that communicated these ideas and I could maybe lecture on it sometimes. Yeah. Amazing. But I'll actually, I'll, I, I should say, I, I'd like to throw in one more thing yeah, about please. the way the artwork please. works that, that I'm, I'm quite proud of, right? You know, Klein was very much about trying to make people as much as possible engage with the idea of immaterial things um, in different ways. And so one other reason why it's frankly kind of floors me that people are buying this token now <laughs> is that there's I very deliberately um, did this and I still say on the website that there there is no DAP for buying it mm -hmm. and there never will be. Ah. Um, to be to buy it, you have to. I mean, at the time, I don't. I'm not sure if EtherScan had like contract interaction on its uh -huh. website no, in 2017. No. But I was saying like you you could use like my Ether wallet or like your 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 parody app, um, right, 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 or Geth or something Open to interact with the contract yeah. directly to call the functions, right? And that was a way of not hiding the blockchain behind mm -hmm. some easy to yes. use interface like yeah. you're going in you're seeing all the functions <laughs> of the contract you can see the code right there yeah. um and i thought that was really important you're seeing how like you're seeing how this code is expressed on the blockchain mm -hmm. and what's been really cool is that like people who have wanted to um uh purchase this uh the tokens they're like DMing me on on Discord or on Twitter or whatever, and there are people who, there are people who in a lot of cases like they have experience buying NFTs, but in actually interacting with the smart yeah, contracts right. not yeah. through a DAP is something yeah. new for them, and they're like, this is kind of scary, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, this is, is scary. scary. Like you've yeah. been spending thousands of dollars on <laughs> NFTs for months now, but now you look at the contract and it's a little bit scary. And I think that's cool. It's kind of another yeah. level of education that happens with the artwork. Mm -hmm. It's almost a, it's almost in some ways you could look at that as like a corollary to the the experience of going into the gallery right. and having that just be your experience like that's your experience is right. is going into the contract and and confronting that you know that's mm -hmm. like part mm -hmm. of the part of the um thisness of it totally this exactly it yeah the contract is the thisness the code yeah. is the thisness yeah. yeah yeah that's really great yeah <laughs> That's how I, the first time I did that was actually with moon cats. The only way that I, I right. got like four moon cats and the way I did it was I had to go interact with the contract. And that was the first time I had done that. And I did find it very scary. It's, it was, it was wonderful in its own way. It felt, it felt great. You know, it feels like you're, it feels like you're, you're closer, you know, to the thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're getting in close to the technology. You're experiencing kind of what it's all about on a different level. Do you have plans down the road for 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 your next? Are are you are you now thinking about your next project in this space, or are you on to bigger, different, like you know, pastures of of art making for after this one? No, this is. I I definitely have a plan. I'd say I have probably a three year plan. Excellent, <laughs> um, excellent. And I, I mean, I have even before this NFT boom happened. Yeah, I have been looking to continue making immaterial artwork for a long time in Great. different formats. Yeah, um, yeah. because I'm very interested in how much thing you there needs to be mm -hmm. for it to still be an artwork. Mm -hmm. And I've been interested in this for a long time. I mean, to put this in context, my last exhibition that I did mm -hmm. before I did the Digital Zone mm -hmm. in 2016, it was a sculpture that was made entirely out of water vapor. Okay, mm, it was just two clouds God. of water vapor that smashed against each other. I feel like I've, maybe, so, did I see like, that online? I've always I feel been like maybe interested I saw that in somewhere. what I call minimum viable materiality. Because I think that we live in yeah. a world yeah. that, is, um, that is defined by structures that are invisible to us and impossible to touch. Yeah. And if I want to make art then, and, and that's the real world. That is the real world. The real world is systems and the real world is structures. And so if you want to make artwork that points to the real world, then I want to make artwork out of materials that are just on the threshold of existing and not existing. Mm. That has been my thesis as an artist who exhibits work in galleries. That was my thesis when I was an artist who was exploring art on blockchain for the first time. Yeah. And that will continue yeah. to be my thesis. Oh, I love and that. One of the things that has changed for me um, is that now with there being interest <laughs> in NFTs and some of the token works, that becomes more plausible for me to do. For the last yes. four yeah. years since I've made the zones, my actual, I don't want to call it a day job because it's yeah. my passion and it's art yeah. and I'm very proud of it, but I actually make the complete opposite of NFTs. Mm -hmm. I make large public sculptures that are like 20 feet tall and weigh four tons and go into parks and can never be moved. Okay? Right, right, That's right. Awesome. And yeah. because it was to make a living as an artist, right. I had to do the opposite of NFTs. Right. What um, a great story, though. A, what a great yeah. story. Was Matt right. and I love stories, and that is like, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, that there could be a movie, for Christ's sakes. This guy, right? you know, like for years and years has to 
has to make these giant sculptures and it's like just to make money and then suddenly you know suddenly everything changes and you can you there's a way to people care about these intangible things in mm -hmm, a way that they mm -hmm. never did before that's just that's yeah, it that's really it right fun. there that's the whole story yeah. So I, I have some projects um, that I want to do, and some of them are extremely long lead time projects that'll take a couple years. I know um, I have a, another couple NFT specific projects that I would like to do in the next couple of years, but I think it's very important not to oversaturate the market. Most yeah. of what I want to yeah. do, honestly, most of what I want to do immediately kind of like in the next few months is just more reading and writing. There's been some, you know, the first wave of scholarship about NFTs um, has been released in like real art journals. And I would like to respond to it um, and oh. write more essays. And I think that that is the most important contribution to the space. I know that every NFT artist gets freaked out. They feel like if they don't put their names out there every week, they're going to be forgotten about. But it honestly doesn't mean you have to drop another NFT. Um, I just want to meaningfully engage with this community. Um, and I want to also meaningfully engage with the art world mm -hmm. to continue to tell them what ideas I think are latent in this technology now and what are possible. So for the foreseeable future, you'll probably just see me hopefully doing some writing um, and trying to publish. Um, and then with, you know, release schedules for future artworks on a much longer timeline that I hope will be, you know, respectful to the people who have invested and supported me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm yeah, curious, that's really awesome. you know, we, we spoke um, in our last episode, it was the night after it was like a couple of days ago is the night after the Christie's auction. Um, and, and so I'm curious, you know, um, we, we sort of talked a little bit about the difference between, you know, crypto native artists versus folks like yourself who are, who are coming from the traditional art world. Um, can you just give, you know, we're, 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 we're now, you know, a few days away from that crypto punks, uh, Christie's auction. Can, do, did you pay attention to that? And did, do you have any, from your perspective, do you have any thoughts on how that went and what, and what, what that means? I did pay attention to it. Um, and I was much more interested in listening to the perspectives of people who were more invested and had more time in the punks community than yeah. me. Yeah. And I know they have a lot of gripes and complaints and yeah. I think that they are valid um, I think that, you know, on the surface, it seemed like a very prestigious thing to include CryptoPunks in that evening auction. Right. But when you saw the way that it was handled um, yeah. <laughs> and what Christie's execution was, it actually didn't seem so respectful. Uh, mm -hmm. It actually seemed kind of like a, a pretty bald play to grab headlines and attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that there wasn't that much investment in telling the story. And... Um, and actually, there's a great Twitter thread I read by yeah. Sam Spike talking about how that was actually the wrong auction to be in anyway. Yeah. Because, oh. Oh. you know, the, the other pieces are trying to tell a, a different story about yes. art in and around the 21st century. And the CryptoPunk story is a totally different story. It didn't fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It didn't fit. It didn't fit mm -hmm. in, that, yeah. in that bunch. And here's something that I... I try to remind myself and people about all the time um you know andy warhol and basquiat are telling one story yes about quote unquote fine art or contemporary art in the late 20th and 21st century and like 
just because something isn't in that story of uh-huh. contemporary art doesn't mean it's not worthwhile or uh-huh. not valid. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. Crypto punks are this weird thing. It's half experiment, half art. It's part just the perfect use case of non-fungible tokens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And if that story doesn't fit in exactly with a timeline of what is art, <laughs> it's completely fine. It's no yeah. slight yeah. to the CryptoPunks project. It's no slight to the devs. Yeah. It's no slight to the collectors. It's its own story that's valid on its own merits. Yeah. And yeah. that probably should have been recognized. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I actually, there was a, I forget who, what the name of the person, but the person who was organizing how the CryptoPunks were displayed and like coordinating the thing for Christie's, they don't have a Twitter account, but they were posting in Discord and somebody screenshotted it. And they were, their goal was to have this idea of sort of like how Invader slaps um, their artworks around cities and puts them in little corners and has them invade uh, a space. Um, the idea was to have the CryptoPunks sort of sneak into Christie's on a sort of, um, on that level uh, which was a nice right. thought which right. was a nice, nice thought, thought poorly executed right. poorly yeah. executed and you're right yeah. that story just wasn't really told correctly it, it, it's almost like it to me it's like it's like legacy you know when a legacy institution tries to co-opt the um mm. the sort of memes of Hello, non you know it just it's not it's and this gets to, to what you were just saying mitchell is like it just doesn't fit it, and if it doesn't fit it doesn't fit. That doesn't mean that it doesn't that mm-hmm. it isn't valid or that it isn't as important or that it isn't great. It just means that it doesn't fit. And it's and and I think and I think that's the thing that I came away with it more than anything else is things like cryptopunks and crypto native things do not belong in that world. They belong in their own in a different world, and that's totally fine. And more power to them for creating their own world. Right. Right. An entirely separate narrative of like right. what is art and what can it mean. The problem yeah. with the like the idea, the Christie's presentation idea of oh these these punks just snuck in yeah. to the Christie's auction mm. is that it's too Quite similar a... to what the skeptics and what maybe like the old uh. money idea would mm. have been saying. Yeah. And Christie's yes. thought that just by virtue of being Christie's, right. they could co-opt that narrative and it would all of a sudden be fun and transgressive and right. ironic. <laughs> right, right. But it wasn't because once again, like you have to show, you know what it was? We talk a lot in the NFT space about low effort art. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And yes. That was a low yes. effort was, co-option yes. of the story. Uh, 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 right. Right. <gasps> yes. And I think if, if anything, it just is like, is like, this is why. <laughs> Anyway, who knows if what that person is like? You know, the person who right. who, who attempted it. You know, it seems like he had very good intentions. It's right, like right. May, maybe you know, don't quit your day job. Like stick to the oh. stick to the Christies. You know, like mm. I'm sorry, like, but that's that's how it right. felt. Right? No, it's probably just like influenced <laughs> by things outside of their control, right? Like they're part of Christies. It's got this legacy. It's like, oh, cool, isn't that fun? How they're sneaking in, but like without actually engaging with, like, okay, there's this different narrative that stands alone. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, that's the thing. They're trying to get the collectors and they're trying to yeah. get their yeah. their money, but not acknowledging that they are their own community, yeah. not acknowledging yes. that they have their own values. And that's wrong. And he, yeah. like, here's the thing that, you know, I've said to some other people in the like the legacy art world that are like looking at auction stuff is is like, look, j- just because not everybody has an MFA, um, 
mm-hmm. is they're not dumb people. Like they mm-hmm. can sense whenever they're not like being um, respected, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And it's like this in terms of I like the NFT that I made um, is it is about um, finding a connection between art history and 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 and, and, and crypto art or mm-hmm. NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. And which I think is it is a cool thing to do to find to to root your NFT and the idea of it in art history. I also believe not everyone needs to do that. Like right. not everything right. needs to be that. A lot right. m- most NFTs will not be about how NFTs uh, connect to art history, and they Absolutely. and many of them will still be valid, right? That's exactly right. Um, so just to wrap up here, I'm curious, ha- have there been any projects, um, you know, in this last ex- in this latest explosion or is there anything coming up that uh, anything at all that in the space that's kind of um, blowing your mind right now? Things that you've seen that you just have said, oh, man, that's that's a really cool idea. That's that's a really great execution of something. So uh, we mentioned Solowit earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought is like as soon as I sort of came on to this suddenly like reborn nft boom <laughs> the, the, the like the thing that stood out to me immediately was was art blocks yeah mm. yes and i'm not even talking about any individual artist yeah. on art blocks yeah like mm-hmm. just the platform itself is so incredibly Agreed. It's Agreed. it's it's smart technically, but it's also smart conceptually. Mm-hmm. It solves so many of the problems uh, that generative art has had for for decades. <laughs> or you know, I don't want to say solves, but it it offers a solution mm-hmm. um, to problems of presentation. Obviously, yeah. part the problems of commodification. Yeah. It also created a really strong community um, for enthusiasts of that to um, <clears throat> to rally around and like. The tech is just, it's so smart, and there are huge conceptual ideas that are baked right into it. Ideas about randomness and determinism, like mm-hmm. ideas about permanence. It, it, th- that is, to me, uh, the most, that, th- that, that's the thing that excites me most, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. that that platform exists, and it's so well done, and that it's doing so well. I'm excited about that. Um, some other um, art on blockchain um, that has been innovative, uh, like Deaf Beef is, yeah. I yep. think. We talk so about Deaf Beef every episode now. We talk about yeah. Deaf Beef every episode. <laughs> I just learned fellow Torontonian. Excellent. Whoa. There you go. You got to get, yes. you guys got to get together. Wow. We're having yeah. him so, on the podcast, like very soon Def we're having Beef him on. Digital Zone collab. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. I was so excited yeah. about that. But I, but I would say the other thing that has been most exciting for me is that when I was creating this project back in 2017, I sort of, I had my my head down and that was my first foray into crypto. I, I hadn't held crypto or, or anything like that before then. And I hadn't, and um, I didn't realize that there were a number of crypto artists who had come before me mm-hmm. um, who had astonishingly similar thinking. Mm. And so one of the, and, and like, I, I didn't know about them at the time, but, I looked at, I discovered some exhibitions that were happening like as, as early as like 2014 mm-hmm. by Furtherfield and that mm-hmm. featured artists mm-hmm. like Rhea Myers and mm-hmm. Primavera mm-hmm. Di Filippi mm-hmm. and Sam Hart. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was sort of discovered them only long after I'd made the digital zones. 
And probably the best thing that's come out of this time was, you know, that just emailing them and like connecting and sharing some ideas. Um, I, and, and just, you know, I did some clubhouse talks with mm -hmm. Sam Hart and Rhea mm -hmm. Myers, just kind of trying to like, once again, expand the narrative mm -hmm. of what these technologies are about and what mm -hmm. ideas they can contain and what ideas they can push forward. Um, so that's been, that actually has been the stuff uh, uh, that, that has been most exciting for me is, is seeing like there's an incredibly rich history and it's diverse and it was, uh, there were always real art history nerds mm -hmm. in the crypto space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Yeah, that's, a conversation that's a... like that would make me actually join Clubhouse. That's really great. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it was awesome. So yeah. I talked with Sam Hart about he curated an exhibition. Mm -hmm. It was at the 2017 Consensus mm -hmm. Ethereal mm -hmm. Summit. Yep, 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 yep. Like, yep. it was yeah. crazy. And yeah. it was like real, real art yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That yeah. And the consensus wanted to do that. Like, they, right. you know, it, it shows that, like, there's actually always been a space for art and conceptual mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in crypto. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first thing that blew my mind was a plantoid, I think. Yes. Yeah. That was amazing. A piece of art that, like, sustains itself by, like, mm -hmm. prescripting humans. Oh, yeah. oh incredible. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely amazing, the, the thought and the sort of just if maybe it's always felt like this right over time everyone's always on the bleeding edge of everything but like it feels so so cool to see this happen it's it's so exciting and some of those old ideas like will be retrieved and mm. i think the whole space will be like so much richer for recognizing that these ideas have have been there for for a, a while totally yeah, and I mean the space is 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 obsessed with with tra with tracking and tracing the history. So I think mm. it's I mm -hmm. think it's it's just up to us to get those narratives out there and and people mm -hmm. and more and and more as more and more people learn, they'll get more and more excited. This is this has been a really fun conversation for that reason for us. I mean, this is yeah. right right straight down the alley of what we Absolutely. of what what we love. Um how can people find your project and find you and follow what you're doing uh, on the internet? Sure, I'm uh, Mitchell F. Chan on pretty much all the all the channels. That's Mitchell with two L's, F is in Frank and Chan, and um, you can learn more about the digital zones at Chan.gallery. Nice, amazing. I'm following you right now as we speak. Yeah, I look forward to following all of the things and especially uh, the digital zone series. <laughs> oh my god, so good. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for, for listening. This has been a really fun chat. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at song a day, man. You can follow Matt at Matt G Condon. Find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Send us, send us audio questions. We got, we only got one so far. I'd love All to right. get some more, uh, people asking us things to, to yeah. talk about. But um, we are going to talk to Deathbeat very soon. I gotta, we gotta oh, get on that because can't wait. That's that's just gotta happen. Mitchell, thank you so much for for joining us. This has been illuminating and uh, and so fun to hear about. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely All right. delightful. All right, uh, I'll do the thing without any prompting. Get do it. nifty. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. Da -da.